podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to the first 2023 off-season episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine Monday morning? I'm well. Welcome in, everybody. We have so very missed you. It is good to be back talking Niners football, even if it is the off-season. We got to watch the Super Bowl yesterday. And Timmy and I were just chatting before recording that that was a that was a phenomenal game. It really was. Um, it really we was. We haven't seen we haven't seen that close of a Super Bowl in a really long time. It was down to the wire. They were they were trading touchdowns all over the game and it was awesome. Yes, there was a questionable holding call at the end, and that's what everyone's going to be griping about. I, I will but, say, did you see, I forget his name, and uh, apologies, was it Bradbury? The the corner said after the game, they asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, I was holding. Like, I was hoping they wouldn't notice. Yeah. So, I don't know. You can yeah, complain so about it all you want. The game you can complain about it all you want. The player himself was like, yep, my bad, that was holding. Yeah, everyone I was watching the game with was kind of upset by it, and I get it. It's not. A, it wasn't a clear-cut holding call, but I think it was enough, especially – Pat saw it early. He probably threw the ball to Juju because of that because he saw it way early. So I definitely think it was was the right call. Uh, I feel like I'm in the minority of that. But, again, if the quarterback is going to own up to it, pretty, pretty set in stone it's right a, there. It's but, a bummer of uh, a way for a game to end, and it was also the right call. Like, both of those things can be true, you know? Yes, absolutely. And that's just a hard thing to see sometimes. Um, hard, hard pill to swallow, but – Again, not one play decides the game, and it has been some some questionable and tough officiating throughout the years. I believe just last week, Roger Goodell commented on the officiating and said it is better than ever. Um, I don't think I can agree on that, but I thought yesterday was a was a pretty well officiated game, even with that call. Yeah, it was a it was a great football game, and you know it begs the question as 49ers fans, we find ourselves thinking what. What could have been? So we do need to start the episode, Daniel, I think, with just spending 30 seconds to a minute of how do we think that game would have gone had the 49ers beaten the Eagles and and if they were in the NFC Championship. And let's say, we're going to say no Brock injury in this hypothetical scenario of ours. So we have a healthy Brock Purdy, 49ers make that game. What do we think happens? Well, what I'm most curious about is that the Niners players and other players who are saying that the Chiefs are going to expose the Eagles on defense, which they did in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, but I think you can make the argument that the Eagles did the very same thing. I wouldn't say they exposed the Chiefs necessarily. They just played good football. They had a lot of good weapons. Um, and the Eagles are unstoppable yeah. at third or fourth and one. Um, they want to hear a crazy stat. And- the Eagles – had like a 60-something percent uh, third down conversion rate, which is the second best conversion rate in like a crazy amount of years in the Super Bowl. Do you know who has the best uh, third down conversion rate in like recent Super Bowl memory? Um, Joe Montana himself. Oh, I the stat I saw was the Eagles the last time they were in the Super Bowl in 2017 or 2018. That's hilarious. <laughs> but, 
That's funny. I mean, if you, Jason Kelsey is going to be an offensive line coach someday when he's done playing. Oh, yeah. And he is incredible at getting his head and shoulders down into the ground and below anyone else's. And I think he has shown the rest of the O-line how to do that perfectly. So it's a phenomenal, phenomenal O-line there in Philly for sure. Yes. Now, um, oh, sorry. Back to our scenario. Yeah, I think... I think the 49ers, and I don't want to be a pessimist, I think it would have been a great game. I think they would have hung with the Chiefs. I think we saw the Chiefs just absolutely destroy the 49ers defense earlier in the regular season. I see no reason they wouldn't have done the same in the Super Bowl as well, which is sad. But they just they picked apart the defense. Andy Reid called one of the best offensive games I've ever seen. I think he is the best offensive mind in the NFL. Um, and he, I, I think they would have found a way to win in the Super Bowl. Does he does he retire? Like Chad Henney? I don't think so. Is Chad Henney retiring? I didn't see that. Oh, he, no. He posted a picture on the field holding a Bud Light and said said something of I'm I'm done uh, hanging them up. That's awesome. Like that holding the holding the Bud Light on the Super Bowl field, biggest biggest smile on his face. I'm like, I mean, Andy, you know, it's hard to. Yeah. Andy said he's not going anywhere. I don't know why you would. Yeah. It's not like clearly he's at the top of his he's at the top of his game. He's at the height of his powers. He's probably the best coach in the NFL right now. And he has the best quarterback. So that makes things a lot easier. So why would you why would you go anywhere yeah. unless, you know, he has had health issues in the past. So maybe if those crop up again, but he uh, he does not sound like he's planning on going anywhere anytime soon. And I don't know why you would. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think. For the, the hypothetical scenario with the Niners being in that game, I think their defense is very similar to the Eagles, uh, at least in skill level, not in terms of scheme. And I think it, it could have gone very similarly to the way it did with the Eagles, where they were hanging in with them every minute of every game. Yes, they were trading punches, offense, defense here and there, but with minutes left, it was 35-35. And so I think that the Niners could do that very same thing, um, but it is—it's very hard to drum up reasons to to prove to you that the Niners could beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if they were there. Um, yeah, we would love for that to be true. They totally could have, but it's just—it's hard to to see that happening based on on how that game went, and that's just kind of where we are now. So, congratulations so, to the Chiefs! It was a fun Super Bowl. Nice job, NFL! You did it again. Um, it was a great, a great game. Very fun to watch. Um, it's a great script. And now we get to transition to talking about the 49ers. We have some news. Talk a little bit about coaching staff. Talk a little bit about some awards that some 49ers team members may have won. And then maybe talk a little bit about how we see this offseason going. Daniel, I think let's start with the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest thing of all. D'Amico Ryans is officially gone. We talked about that last uh. time. Yeah. The 49ers did hire Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator, so they went with an outside hire this time. Um, by all accounts, a great hire, a great coach, and I'm I'm happy with it. Daniel, how do you feel about, about Wilkes coming in? Well, I just one comment on Demeco leaving. I was so sad when we when not when we got rid of or when we let go. Like Robert Sala went to the Jets and he well earned head coaching job, but I was so sad. I love Robert Sala. I love what he did at the defense. I love that the energy he had. He's incredible. So it's sad to see him go. Same thing with Demeco. 
this might even be harder for me. I love He's a better coach. And I love, yeah, I think, I think he is. I love his relationship with the players. I watched uh, an interview, uh, or I watched the interview, the introductory interview for Demeco Ryan's with the Houston Texans, and they asked him about guys like Fred Warner. And you know, Demeco starts talking about how he wants to make him a better football player. This is this because you know some of these guys you just take under your wing and you want to help make better men. And he just starts talking about Fred Warner, and I think he almost teared up, and it just the love that he had for Fred Warner was getting to me. I'm like, this is awesome. I love yeah, it. And he made the Fred Warner. Go was just really tough. Like D'Amico Ryan's made yes. Fred Warner, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so seeing him go just tough. I know Fred's going to be incredible without him. Um, Steve Wilkes is a great defensive mind. Um, I think, you know, in the, the coaching world of the NFL, even in college, there's guys who are great as coordinators. There's guys who are made for certain roles and not everybody can handle the head coaching role, and not everybody was made for the head coaching role. And I think Steve Wilkes is going to do a great job as our defensive coordinator. I'm not saying that he can't do it as a head coach, um, but uh, if well, the Panthers weren't willing to keep him around in any role, I think we absolutely are uh, are going to welcome him with open arms. That's, to- that's what I was going to say. I'm excited to have him on the staff. I think he's a great coach. He's been a head coach before, and I think – I don't think he's going to be around a very long time. I I see him. I see this as a stepping stone to another head coaching gig for him. A lot of people thought he should have had the Panthers gig this year. A lot of controversy going on around that. We don't need to to dive into it too much, but I think he is definitely a great coach, and he did a great job as the Panthers interim last year. I think Frank Reich's a great coach, but I think um, I I, I think there will I think he will get another head coaching job. So I think he's I think he's one or two years here in SF at most before he he moves on to that next that next head coaching gig. So I coordinator is going to be a revolving door. Yeah, it's going to be a revolving door. So I wondered, you know, maybe there's an internal candidate they're keeping an eye on. I think uh, I I think that could be there. We should say D'Amico um, on your way out. Nice job winning the assistant coach of the year, the NFL's highest honor for assistant coaches or is the NFL's highest honor for assistant coaches getting a head coaching job it doesn't matter to Miko you got them both nice job Uh, we love you we will miss you if things don't work out in Houston you can always come home Um, I guess Houston is probably more home but we will we will take you we will love you and (laughs) you can be on the 49ers coaching staff anytime you want Um, you also will never have to buy a beer in a bar if Daniel and I are there so um, that's that's how we feel about you D'Amico and we miss you um, the other exciting thing that happened for the 49ers at the NFL Honors Awards was Nick Bosa did win Defensive Player of the Year, a well, well-earned commendation for our guy Nick. We are over the moon for him. It was not a surprise. There really wasn't no. anyone else it could go to. Um, so very, very excited for Nick Bosa. He is going to become the NFL's highest paid defensive player this offseason. I don't see how that doesn't happen. Um, and he's going to have earned every penny. I think it's going to be, I'm predicting somewhere around 30, 31 million a year for four or five, six years, but he he's going to get that bag. He's earned it. And he continues to be probably the greatest defensive weapon in the NFL. And yeah, good, good job, Nick. Any, any thoughts on, on Bosa winning that award, Daniel? It's just, it's, I think one of the only things to say, man, is it was so obvious. Um, and we're not just saying that as Niners fans. He was the sack leader. He was. Was he the up sack leader? All pressures. Yes. 
and he he was just a menace. He was MVP of the defense, even on an incredible defense. Like Fred Warner, these guys will tell you they I've I've seen reports or sorry not reports interviews they're called when the players actually talk, and he has said Fred gives credit to Bosa all the time. He's like, man, it is so easy for me to make tackles when I know that quarterback is not going near Bosa. That running back is going to go the other way than Bosa. He's like, he's just cutting off part of the field for me. And he's making it so easy to go do my job because he will fight and scrap to wherever he needs to get to, no matter how many jerseys are ripped throughout the season from holding calls against him. He still makes it work and is able to do all the things that he does to make this defense so incredible. So, yeah, he's the winner, obviously. Of course, Micah Parsons, you're great. You did not have anything on him this year. Um, there's other guys. Like Hassan Riddick was up there in sacks. Okay, but the sack leader isn't just the defensive player of the year. That's not how it works. Nick Bosa was the sack leader, but he does so much more than just get the most sacks in the NFL. Like there's something to be said for that. But let's not get wrapped up in guys who are able to do that. It takes it takes a lot more than just being good at getting to the quarterback because there's, there's other factors that go into that. I think, you know, same thing with people wanted Trevon Diggs. Is that two years ago now to get defensive player of the year when he had like a million interceptions? Yeah. But he also had a million blown coverages. Yeah. So he's doing the Talanoa Hufunga risk-reward thing we talk about where his greatest – he's a, it's the same thing where his greatest success also comes with his greatest failure when – he led up so many touchdowns and so much yardage totally. to get those interceptions. And it's like, great, you have a fun stat column, but there's other things that are that doesn't make you the defensive player of the year. So, yeah, well deserved, as we said. No, yeah, good, good showing at the NFL honors for the 49ers. I think there was a very, very strong case for our very own Kyle Shanahan to win Coach of the Year. That case consists of you won seven straight regular season games with a Mr. Irrelevant as your starting quarterback, and I don't. No biggie. Yeah, and I don't really think anything else mattered. But uh, Brian Dable did a phenomenal job as his first year coach of the Giants, so you can't you can't be too upset there. Um. Well, we anything else we need to chat about? There's so much as we kind of head into the off season, but excited for Bosa, excited for D'Amico. We will we will miss you, D'Amico. No one will ever replace you. No, it's it's true. Someone will fill in uh, and do what they can. But um, there's been a, a number of coaching changes as well. Uh, we're having trouble finding all of them to truly do a segment on and report about them. Um, so we'll have to research and talk more about. Yeah, some we'll of the do other a we'll do changes. a full coaching changes segment in the. Uh in the off season at some point. But the the thing to remember is that as it has every year, uh, people continue to try to fleece coaches from the 49ers because of how good our team is. So what they don't know is yeah. that as long as we have Kyle Shanahan's brain, we'll be fine. Yeah. The, the biggest one that I will note is that uh, Demeco was, was taking Bobby Slowick away from us to make him his offensive coordinator. Um, so we're, we're not done in terms of, potentially losing coaches. Um, we will be looking for more coaches. So I just uh, was looking at David Lombardi and what he had to say on it, but he also tweeted that. He said, so many 49ers offensive coaches uh, coaching departures since the end of the 2021 season. 
Mike McDaniel, gone. Ah, I can never, I always butcher his name. Rich Scangarello. Scangarello. Yeah, I think that's right. John Embry, Wes Welker, and now Bobby Slowick. A lot of offensive guys. Also, a lot of defensive guys as well. So I think it, it um, begs the question, we do need to talk about it. Like, Do we need to start worrying about 49ers coaching brain drain? Like, Do we need to start thinking about this? Potentially, like not no. Um, like I think <laughs> it is, man. I think um, I think Bill Belichick and the the Patriots are a great example of what this unfortunately can look like. You have a great staff, and then over time, after time, after time again, your assistant coaches just start getting hired and hired and hired, and then eventually they're they're gone, and you you run out of those minds. I don't think we're at that risk, and I think so much of the 49ers' success much like the Patriots, uh, resides in the brain power of their head coach. But you do need other people that you trust even just to, to bounce ideas off of. So I don't think we're at that point yet of 49ers brain drain. But at some point, you have to start to worry about that with so, so many coaches getting promoted and hired away to other teams. It, it does cause a problem. So I don't think we're there yet, but it is something to, to be aware of. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk more about coaching changes. I just think Sloak leaving uh, to be the Texans' offensive coordinator is, is cool, good for him, happy for him. But it, it's just always a bummer when when guys leave. Like when Robert Sala left, he took Mike LaFleur with him as offensive coordinator. Who's now who in L.A. He was, yeah, he was fired by the Jets. And then is he now the offensive coordinator for the yep, Rams? Yeah, he's now the Rams' offensive yeah. coordinator. And then now Demeco leaving and taking Bobby Sloak with him. It's it's just you know I get it. They get to take a buddy with them, and I think it's fair. But it's just a bummer. I will say <laughs> I think I think Mike McDaniel is still probably the biggest, the biggest one of those hires in terms of the 49ers. I think he was just such a creative offensive mind. I still think he's probably the biggest coach we've ever lost. And clearly it was not a huge impact because our team is still awesome. But I think it, that was probably the biggest guy we've lost so far. I think. I personally think it would be Demeco is the biggest loss, but I think that we will see the implications of Mike leaving more because our defense seems to be this well-oiled machine where Demeco, yes, is incredible, but it was good before him. It's going to be good after him. Um, and yes, Kyle Shanahan is one of the most genius offensive mind guys, but still really nice to have both. Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan going yeah. out together. The other thing to keep an eye on is the 49ers did with Mc, this did this with McDaniel two years ago was br- promote him to offensive coordinator to keep him on the staff. Currently, the 49ers don't have an offensive coordinator. Kyle kind of does that role. He's the play caller. He handles all those duties. But there's always a chance that if there's someone on the offensive staff that they want to keep, they will give that offensive coordinator title to them. So that's something to, to keep in your back pocket. Daniel, I didn't prep you for so, this, but there's something I want. Oh boy. There's something I need, think we need to talk about, and I think 49ers fans need to be aware of. Um, I think okay. that there is a continued chance that John Lynch steps away this offseason or sometime in the near future. Chat about why. Last offseason, it was rumored Amazon was offering him a bag to come be the play-by-play guy there he's been a broadcast guy before he's not play-by-play the color guy he's been very he's good at it it. he's good at it he's good at it and he flirted with it last year and here's why i think that there's something to it this year 
Adam Peters, the 49ers vice president of player personnel, has been a top guy on GM lists season after season after season. He's been interviewed, but he is a 49ers fan born and bred. But other guys have interviewed him. But Daniel, this year, he turned down multiple interview requests to be a GM. I think he turned down the Cardinals and he turned down someone else. And he's been a runner up for like multiple of these jobs. Like he's going to get one if he wants it. And he turned down interviews. That to me means that one way or another, he has been told, hey, John is stepping away at day X. John has this many more years, and then you're the guy. So there is an end date, I think, on John Lynch's tenure as the 49ers GM. And I, I don't know when that is. Maybe Peters just loves working for the 49ers, and he doesn't want the pressure of being a full GM. Of course he but does. he's taken interviews before, so he's wanted it. So I think Lynch will go back to the booth sometime in the kind of near future and so we will I just just keep an eye on that I I think it's going to happen it would be a bummer he's done a great job but I think what he's really done a good job of is assembled a great staff and just been a great a great leader of them and I think Peters I I think very very highly of Peters from the little I I know of him from my time following the 49ers and so I think he will be a phenomenal GM as well so I'm not like worried about it I'm more just kind of interested by it and we know Kyle Shanahan holds so much power over the roster as well in the in the draft and stuff but yeah yes I think it's it's gonna be really I don't know Daniel have you heard these whisperings do you think I'm right I I think within the next two years John Lynch will go back to the booth I wouldn't say that I've heard the whisperings of like this is the year um I've had that thought all the time because he's great in the booth he's done plenty of other things he's been offered big money as you said by Amazon to do that uh, they're trying to get a good booth, and he's great. He is a phenomenal. He would he would be an absolute, and I love Kirk Herbstreit. He would be a huge step up over Kirk Herbstreit with Al Michaels. That would become the best booth in the NFL, I think. And Al Michaels is legend. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it is a lot of speculation, but I don't think that you could be wrong because the Peters point is good. But I don't understand why he would be turning down interviews. Um, if he's been trying, and so that does, yeah. So maybe nervous. Maybe Lynch leads through this draft and then steps away. That that I think would make sense. Like he gets us through free agency yeah. in the draft and then hands the reins over to Peters. I think that part of me is like, well, why would you do that and then leave? And it's like, well, you're doing, you're good at it. You're doing your part, and then you're going, okay, here's the year. You have the year, and then next to next year's your your first draft. And um, it feels like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan just got here the other day. That's obviously not six true. years in for years. Yeah. It just, I can remember so vividly when we did, when we signed both of them together, I'm like, this is awesome. It really does not feel that long ago. Um, but I think that in no way, shape or form has the Niners. Uh, I, I know most people wouldn't call it a dynasty right now. The chiefs just cemented their dynasty last night. Um, Patrick Mahomes, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, two MVPs, and their team has have, has seen some big turnover. Um, we're not going to see as much turnover this year, but I do think some things are, are going to change, whether that's things like, I think this change seems, well, no, it is big. What uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on the 49ers yes, next year. Yes, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan no has said that. Um. And if you've seen the reports, I don't have anything on it that Jimmy and Kyle kind of had a little falling out 
before, right before the Eagles game? I haven't. No. What I wonder, did he want Jimmy to play because of the health or something? I That is my thought, is that he wanted Jimmy to suit up and be ready, and maybe Jimmy said no. And, again, this is all assumption. This is all assumption here. There was no meat on the article. It was just a headline, really. Uh, it said before the Eagles game, they kind of they caught a rift, and it did talk about how it they think that the whoever the reporter was, I don't remember, thinks that their relationship has come to an end through this argument. And I think Kyle was trying to get Jimmy to play, and Jimmy said, "No, I will not play. I'm not fully healthy um, because he knows he's going somewhere else next year, and he doesn't want to jeopardize." Like this last, uh, one one year ago, an off season ago, he doesn't want to get hurt and have teams be spooked. And I I get it from his perspective. Um, if he's not fully ready and he knows he's not going to be there, um, but then we saw the debacle that we had in the game. So it does again all speculation. That's just my brain doing it. But again, we will see a lot of change in some ways where Jimmy's gone. Some some of us are very excited about that. Some don't care. Some are sad. But he has been the one of the faces of the 49ers for a long and time. And what a face. And what a face, exactly. Some people are sad just about that part. Um, but that's a big change. Um, you know, we thought we were going to see a big change last year with potentially Debo being gone. He's here. Um, but then we have all of our big A-team guys locked up for a long time, Bosa incoming. But a lot of these B-team guys who are also very important um, – this this could change some things. So Brandon Ayuk, there's a lot of names the 49ers are going to need. There's going to be a lot of contract work this season, let me tell you. Yeah, so we have a long list of unrestricted free agents, a very short list of restricted free agents. So I'm just going to go through this, and then we'll, we'll break down some of them. We're not going to get into other NFL free agents this episode. Next episode, we will look at um, all of the NFL free agents and, and pick a few that we would love for the Niners to, to get. So starting off with linebacker Aziz Alshire, would love to see him re-signed. Center Jake Brendel. And before I continue, I would like to read this fun stat on Jake Brendel. Um, I think that he had a phenomenal year, and this is why I think that. Jake Brendel's numbers in 2022. One sack allowed in 680 pass block snaps. He was third among all centers in pass blocking efficiency. He was also solid at run blocking, especially when we got to the second and third levels of the defense. Um, David Lombardi says re-signing him is an off-season priority. I would agree. I did not. I I had not heard those stats, but sounds good to me. Let's keep him. Yeah, exactly. I think that he is not going to be a very expensive signing. Um, but I think that in his first year, it's the starting center. He did phenomenal. So, okay. Uh, back to the list. Uh, offensive tackle, Daniel Brunskill. I think he is worth re-signing at a low amount of money. Um, having him as a swing guy coming in there whenever is, is nice and needed, but I, I think we can also find someone else to do that. If, if, if his time is done, tight end, Ross Dwelly, Defensive end, Samson Ebicum, who I really want them to re-sign. Quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, we already know. Uh, Talano Hufunga's new best friend, Tashawn Gibson. He had, I don't know if you saw his letter, but he had the highest praise for Talano Hufunga. said he is 
He is forever thankful for, for his work this year and his friendship to him. Kicker, Robbie Gold, bring him back, please. Uh, defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst. Defensive end, Kerry Hyder. Josh Johnson, bye bye Tight end, Tyler Croft. Offensive tackle, Mike McGlinchey. We'll talk about that one as well. Safety, Tarvarius Moore. Cornerback, Emmanuel Mosley. Defensive end, Charles O'Menehue. Long snapper, Tabor Pepper. Defensive tackle, Hassan Ridgeway. Cornerback, Jason Verrett. Safety, Jimmy Ward. And defensive end, Jordan Willis. And the three restricted free agents that we have um, are Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Sorry, four. Kevin Givens, Jawan Jennings, and Colton McKibben. Got a lot, okay. a lot oh, of signings. A lot of names. A lot of names. Mike McGlinchey. Let's talk uh, McGlinchey real quick. Probably yes. his best season this year. Like, we've gone from McGlinchey being someone we criticized a lot to you didn't really have anything to say about him, which is kind of the second best thing, you, like a really good thing about an offensive lineman. Just like, yeah, I'm not worried about him out there. Uh, McGlinchey's tearing up, talking about potentially leaving the 49ers. I, I think re-signing him should be a priority of the team. I think it will be. Um, keeping that sure. consistency up front, I think, is going to be really important. What about Jason? Where do you think the money is, though? I don't know. For McGlinchey. I don't know. What is a because, like? What does a good right tackle make, right? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I want to look up his current contract real quick. He was a. I mean, he was a I top ten his, pick, right? Yeah. Wasn't he? And so. Yeah, he was our top twelve pick, maybe. Um. I want to say that his second or third year before his injury was probably his better best year. Um, his contract was for four years. And all right, wow. let me throw some numbers oh, at you. The top years. three yeah. right tackle contracts in the NFL, according to OverTheCap.com, which I mean is the source, right? Not dealing with any guarantees. Yeah. We're going to give you the the average per year number, which while maybe not the most important number, is the one players care about. Players want to make the most per year. We've got Ryan Ramzik on the Saints. He makes $19,200,000 annually. Brian O'Neill on the Vikings, 18.5. Lane Johnson on the Eagles, who's probably the best in the NFL, 18 flat. So right around that 18 to 19 million dollars mike mcglinchy is currently making 4.5 million dollars annually wow he's 28 okay, years so old that's that's a steal totally but that's on that rookie contract so he is a is he yeah he's an unrestricted free agent i don't know do you think he's good enough like he's good is he good enough i mean the nfl has a way it works right whoever the next guy is gets paid more than the last guy. That's how it worked. That's how Jimmy Garoppolo wound up the NFL's highest paid quarterback for a few months. Like you just you make more than the That's last guy. It's why Nick Bosa is stupid. it's why Nick Bosa is going to make 30 million dollars a year, right? Is McGlinchy that good? I don't no. I don't think he's going to get 20 million on the open market. But no, I don't think he's going to get 15. I I think maybe Lyle Collins on the Bengals, he signed recently. He's making 7 million flat. Maybe we can sign him to three years, 30 million or something. But if someone comes along and yeah, offers him top of the position value, I don't think we can match that. I think other teams are so offensive, offensive linemen needy that someone will pay him more money than we are willing to, or then one than we have, because again, I'm, I'm curious to see with all these extensions we've been throwing out and now Bosa's turn. It's, it's hard to tell what we truly do have in the bank. And we have other free agents that are priority. I think totally. Reynolds is a priority. 
Um, I would love, I mean, I not not only would I love, I think it is a priority to re-sign Aziz Alshire. Incredible third linebacker. But again, I think we're going to get outbid. I think other teams are going to pay big money for Aziz Alshire. Um, I think Samson Ebukum is a huge re-signing. Even guys like Tashawn Gibson, a veteran we let come work out in camp, I think should, no, should this be re-signed is, again. This is going to be the most this is going to be the toughest offseason of the the Shanahan Lynch era this is going to be the most guys we see leave in free agency that we can't bring back like it, and we didn't even talk about it just is Emmanuel Mosley or Jimmy Ward yet yeah like those are two other big names um that's hard or Jawan Jennings and even Colton McKibbins is someone worthy of bringing back so that's hard I mean okay I know I have the list Timmy let me send you this Real quick, just the the lovely screenshots I have of our free agents, and I want you to pick your top three guys out of this list, top three priorities, and that's hard to do. Um, again, I, I think the biggest thing is it's not that we're not going to re-sign as many of these guys as we can. It's we're going to be outbid, and that happens all the time. That is the business of it. That is not surprising to anyone, um, but I really do think that that's going to be why so many of these guys do leave. Not everyone can take a pay cut, especially for these guys. They, none of these guys have had, except for Robbie Gold or Jimmy Garoppolo, who's already gone, have had their shot at like a big contract. Maybe Jimmy Ward. Um, but all these guys are, are young enough or early enough in their career where they have not gotten a big big contract to, to them. Um, like we're not talking Nick Bosa or Debo Samuel big contracts here, but they haven't had their shot at – getting paid the biggest contract of, of their career. And many of these guys do like, I will, I would bet you big money that we do not have Aziz Alshire next year. Someone is going to pay him more than we can afford to be their first, second linebacker when we can only pay him so much to be our third linebacker on the depth chart. But he was incredible. It's so nice to have him right behind Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Um, but other teams need solid linebackers, and so they're going to pay him big money. I agree. I think I agree with you on um, on on that when it comes to Flanagan Fowles. I don't. I don't think he comes back. I think I'm with you on. No, Aziz Alshire. Aziz Alshire. Yeah, my bad. My my bad there. Um, what about Brandon Ayuk? I know he's not on this list you sent me, but he is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Up for a new contract this year, right? Do we have an option we can we can use? I didn't think he was. I think he's got another year. Okay, because he was a he was a twenty twenty draft. Yes, but correct. Correct me yeah. wrong. Is he coming down at his um? Is he well, would he be coming at his at up, his option? I guess. He's reached the year where guys typically get resigned, right? Yeah. Well, I think this is this is his last year, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and then he has the I'm option. Try to do math. Okay. Good. I want to yeah. keep Ayuk around. He would have been on my list. Is my point. I think you're probably yes. right about Brendel. I think McGlinchey needs to be I, – I think re-signing McGlinchey is important. Kind of like the idea of keeping Jimmy Ward around as well, but I think he's on his way out. He's kind of throwing some shade at the team. Um, I don't think that one's going anywhere. So I'm looking at this list. I think my third guy – I'd rather have Mosley than Ward. Yeah, I think Mosley is probably my guy. Or Jordan Willis. I think, I think both of those guys. The other name I think is interesting because I think we could keep him on the cheap is 
Jason Verrett. But like, how many injuries can Jason Verrett come back from and still be playing at a high level? Because he keeps coming back and being like, oh my gosh, he's still playing really well. And then he gets injured again. The man is cursed. And yeah. you got to, I mean, I feel for yeah. the guy. I really, really do. But at a certain point, like, can we expect him to play at a high level anymore? I, I don't know. I would say my three guys that I want re-signed so bad. This is hard, man. It's hard. There's too many. I think Jake Brendel's a, a must. He was incredible. Um, and I think he'll grow into being something even better. Part of me thinks Mike McGlinchey as well. One, I just don't know. Like, we do not have anyone, I think, that can step up and take over for either Jake Brendel or McGlinchey. So we would need to get a free agent elsewhere or address in the draft, but addressing in the draft has not been enough. And, oh, wait, we have zero picks anywhere early. So I guess it would be Brendel McGlinchey, and I'm tied now for Emmanuel Mosley, Aziz Shire, and Samson Ebicum. I loved Samson Ebicum. I think Drake Jackson absolutely could step up and take over more of a role across from Bosa. Aziz Shire isn't necessarily a top priority because we have Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner. He is in my heart. Um, don't even get me started with how badly and why we should re-sign Robbie Gold. Can't imagine him not being here. I don't care how old he is. Um, you know, again, I, I'm okay seeing Jimmy Ward walk. I think that um, we, for the for the first time in a long time, I feel pretty good about our secondary. I think um, I would like it to have Emmanuel Mosley. So Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, a great duo. I don't. I don't know if Ward would go in. I'm sorry, Diamondo Lenore would go into the nickel if Jimmy Ward left, or if that would be. I think it'll be. Samuel I think it would be Womack. Lenore. I think it would be Lenore. Especially if we re-signed Mosley. Yeah, for but sure. But if we don't re-sign Mosley and we don't re-sign Ward, I think they keep Lenore as cornerback too. But then it leaves Womack and Amber Thomas. Yeah, what's going on with Amber Thomas? So, I don't know. I still don't understand what's going on there. All right, Daniel, we have to cover one more piece of news before we wrap up. I don't know how we left oh this till the end. Change the subject, but we're, we're getting to the end of our, our time slot here, and we gotta we got to talk about this. A very influential sure. leader in the 49ers locker room. You may have heard of him. His name is George Kittle, one of the, one of the more popular players in the NFL and one of the, the real hearts of the team on the 49ers. He shared some thoughts on the 49ers quarterback situation, which somehow we haven't talked about because it really is the biggest drama of the offseason. seems like Jimmy's going to be gone. We've got the Brock it's Purdy. It's so obvious we just didn't even need yeah. to. <laughs> We've got Brock Purdy, Trey Lance drama. George Kittle has chimed in. He has said on Von Miller's podcast that the job is Brock's to lose, which feels like a big deal. It feels very important that he said this, but... And on the other hand, we kind of, I think, all thought that. I think we all kind of thought that it was Brock Purdy's job to lose originally. Um, he played really well, took the 49ers on a playoff run. Of course it's his job to lose. So going to be interesting what happens there with some injury and stuff like that. But George Kittle has chimed in, it sounds like. And I think George Kittle speaks for the 49ers locker room. I don't think he would have commented if he didn't. And he thinks that the job is Brock Purdy's to lose. So I think that's important to, to know. I think, one, the fact that, I mean, I think you said it kind of in a joking way of like a, a big leader in the quarterback room, or at, sorry, in the quarterback room, in the Niners locker room. But no, that's very true. Oh, yeah, true. it's absolutely true. It is. Yeah, the fact that it is Brock Purdy saying that. You mean, you mean George Kittle saying that? that. <laughs> I was looking up a thing about Brock Purdy and, and Trey Lance, and I read Brock Purdy, so I said it. Look, um, Kittle, Kittle is a smart guy. 
He's a good teammate. Yeah. He's a good player. He does not say this if the 49ers locker room and the team really is not on the same page here. Like, I, I really don't yeah. think George Kittle goes on the record to say that unless he he really means it and unless he knows that the rest of the locker room is with him. And we've already kind of had that reported. I mean, Matt Mayoko, who I think is you – can, you can really trust Mayoko. And he, he says that yep. the 49ers locker room will be mad if it's not Brock Purdy. So I think this just confirms what we kind of already knew that it, it is Brock Purdy's job to lose. Now, the locker room might be mad, but at the end of the day, NFL players want to win. And if Trey Lance comes into camp and if he proves that he gives the 49ers the best chance to win, it's his job. But I I do think that um, that this is really noteworthy that Kittle said this. And it's really no- – like I yeah. think this confirms what we had already – what we already believed and what Mayoko had already reported. But this confirms that the 49ers locker room is rooting for Purdy. And that makes sense. I mean, he yeah. he almost took him to the Super Bowl. And he gutted it out. Yeah, I mean, he was a great teammate this whole run. Like, he did a great job. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that, Daniel? The biggest, th- the biggest thing for me on it is um, for these two guys heading into I hear a lot of questions about – I'll get a lot of questions about Trey Lance and people saying, well, did he get enough time to prove himself? No. No, absolutely not. Of course he did not. He has had zero time his, his rookie year – hard to truly consider, and then he had a game and a quarter before he broke his ankle. So no, he did not have enough time whatsoever, but that does not at all mean yeah. he should be the starter. So that here's, sucks, here's how it looks but it's, where it's, how, like, it's how it works. Like, yes, reason, he didn't have enough time to prove the, himself, but here we are. The reason that Brock, sorry, the, yeah, the reason that Brock Purdy should be the starter next year has nothing to do with Trey Lance underperforming. It has everything to do with it's a bummer that he broke his ankle and Brock Purdy came in and showed, wow, this kid is legit as well. Brock did what Trey was trying to do. Trey did not have the opportunity to do it, but you're not in the NFL. This is, this might shock some of you. You're not looking to see how many good quarterbacks you have. You're trying to find a Juan who can do it. And Brock Purdy showed he can do it. So they're not going to go, okay, well, Brock, you had your turn. We're going to give Trey his turn, his proper turn and his time to show he might also be able to do it. No, Brock Purdy is a legend in the way that he came in as Mr. Irrelevant, won a bunch of games, and could have won more if he didn't get hurt. If he is healthy, which he is supposed to be because he's not having full reconstructive surgery, he's just going to repair his UCL. So he should be good to go by the start of spring. It will be a quarterback competition. Because why would you not do that in the sense of you got two young guys who could either go either way. They're going to battle it out. But again, I think it's Brock's to lose and Trey is going to do his best to show he can play. But I think we're going to keep them both and we will see Brock Purdy it, starting each game until he's it could done. absolutely happen. Like maybe Trey Lance wins the job, but and that's why I don't think it's really that newsworthy. Like Trey Lance could still be the starter, but it seems like it's Brock's job to lose. And I think we all kind of knew that. Well, Thank you again for tuning in, everyone. I think we need to wrap up today. But as you can tell, the offseason is just as much fun to talk about as the regular season. So we are so glad to have you all. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks. And uh, Daniel, any any parting thoughts for the listeners? I love the offseason. I love speculation. You know, we talked a lot last year about guys we want to see signed or re-signed. So I'm excited to look at this incredible 
roster the 49ers put together and talk about how it's going to be even better this next year. So excited for this offseason with all of you. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, and uh, stay safe out there, everybody.